As sentient beings, we find ourselves thrown into a world that inflicts immense pain and suffering. So having the option of a graceful exit should be seen as a basic, universal human right. Since our existence is better to never have been, we should all have the right to die. Welcome to the Right to No Longer Exist, a Right to Die podcast featuring your hosts, Danny, Kevin, and Amanda. In this show, we attempt to change the perception of society's views of voluntary euthanasia and what true autonomy could look like. Hey, everybody. Welcome to A Right to No Longer Exist, A Right to Die podcast. I'm here with Amanda and Danny. And uh, how are you guys doing today? Yeah, we're doing uh, great. Uh, we're we're all looking forward to uh, the first podcast we had in a few months. I think it's been like, uh, I think February, actually. So we're ready to rock and roll. Yep. Yeah. You're not doing too bad. cold. Yeah, it's cold. Oh, it's, it's funny because it's hot where I am and I'm struggling with the heat. So it's like, but I'm, you know, it's 72 and I'm, I'm like, a, <laughs> I'm melting. So summers, not my favorite. But anyway, welcome to the uh, seventh episode, I think it is, to the podcast. And um, we hope you have all been well and uh, hanging in there. And I know that's a loaded statement in its own because the topic itself is about not being able to cope <laughs> and uh so i feel weird just even saying i hope you've been well because i well obviously i hope you've been good but um i hope you've been less bad is a better way to put it i guess but um yeah no i hope other listeners too are just have regular lives and they're just listening and hoping for this to become a thing and it's not just about genuinely struggling people you know um that's kind of one of my arguments ask actually too was kind of this idea that um like there's this like pressure for people to feel positive all the time and and you're somehow kind of a debbie downer if you just even talk about these facts or these truths you know and and it should be more of a conversation that's just neutral to me it's just like this is a topic of an issue like we talk about it with certain politics or something let's say you know like and everyone's it could be like passionate but it's still this neutral ground of you're not a good person or a bad person this is just what you believe or this is what you don't believe you know for to, to be policy but it comes it gets ugly and weird when it becomes the right to die because now now there's this pressure about murder right They're, like there's claims made about the right to die where people the pro-lifers can like genuinely say you're murdering someone you know if you physically help them let's say that's like a massive problem and issue i'd say is like you're helping a loved one and it's it's just so far, amazing how far of a cavern difference we are from people that are sent, claiming that you're literally murdering someone when we think it's something that you're genuinely doing a loving, caring act, probably the most loving thing you could do for that person of their entire life. And, you know, trying to like bridge that gap somehow is important because we should get there, but it's like, there's so much damage that's caused by that, you know, so much pressure by people being like, I don't want to help. I don't want to help because this and that, which is, that's the law. I get it. But we should be here questioning the law, you know, is the law, the, just because something's the law, right, doesn't make it okay, you know, slaves, slavery was a thing, and that was law, but anyway, anyway, we can question in a, in a major way, is helping someone die a, a bad thing, are you genuinely murdering someone, do you belong to be thrown in prison for years over it, you know, the Jack Kevorkian scenario, you know, we would argue is, was a loving thing. This guy was amazing. And so many other people, though, you say that word, you just say his name. And people are like, you, you know, like you just said a bad word, you know, in the house. <laughs> um, anyway, I was just thinking about kind of rambling, but I was just curious what you guys think about, like, how do we bridge that gap of like this extreme notion of 
helping someone is murder and you're going to go to jail <laughs> and our ideas of thoughts that helping someone is okay and in fact people make this like mental uh pass right they, you, you, you get a free pass in your in their heads when it comes to death with dignity or if it comes to euthanasia in other countries where it's legal they just go oh that nurse is doing something loving you know what i mean or palliative care even is people are kind of they they are doing nice things by helping them die um so anyway i am just trying to think about what why is it so bad if just help someone die why why is that the key component of law to be you're an instant murderer that's done an awful thing but if they do it themselves it's totally okay we don't care it's not even illegal how can that why is that such yeah. a thing yeah that's such an excellent point you know the thing is consent and intent that matters consent matters if you want to die and someone consensually helps you die, then no, that, that's not murder. Murder is non-consensual. And, you know, we are all being murdered by nature every day. We all have, you know, from the time we were born, we were die we are dying. And it's like people have this thing that, okay, it's okay if na nature murders you because, you know, but anyway, you know, we're, we are all terminal. And if somebody like Jack of Workian, which was a political prisoner, uh, in my opinion, uh, wants to help somebody relieve all of their problems, then they are heroic. They are doing a service to humanity. And, and everybody else, the pro-lifers or the anti-right to dyers they're scared to death of it it reminds them of their own morta mortality you know they want to pretend like you know we can have safety and security and everything is going to be all right and they you know a lot of them just try to make themselves to believe that but they impose that belief on others but yeah i mean if you're consensually and peacefully ending someone's life it, it's not murder it, it's mercy mercy it's mercy yeah. So like Amanda, what do you think about that as far as, you know, changing people's minds about this, this, like you helping, you help someone kill themselves. You're now this murderer that's going to get a decade in prison <laughs> and changing that. That's not the case. That's not what's actually happening here. You know? Yeah. I, I have to say first off how amazed I am continuously by how many people I have a conversation with about the subject with who don't think that there are going to be any legal repercussions to help somebody. I, I can't tell you how many people I've run into who go, no, it's a gray area, you know, because you have the, you know, the person is doing it themselves. You're just sort of there. You're not in any way, you know, you're not in any way going to be held responsible. It's like, I just think people are, um, I, I don't know where that ignorance comes from. Like why that, that particular belief is in people's heads like i don't know what exactly put that into so many people's minds that it's some sort of gray area that that they won't receive some sort of blowback from um but it's it's shocking um and i i i, I have to think that that's a major piece of the activism of the right to die that needs to be developed i mean the voice of those who have some intention of eventually helping a loved one uh, or, or who might be in that position um, that want to do it and, and but know that there's going to be some sort of repercussion. Um, that seems to be a really missing voice, you know, that, that the voice of the, the voice of the long term planning in the eventuality of someone's end. Um, not just in terms of the person that wants to go, but the people around them. I mean, that's such a that is often such a huge missing piece of the conversation as a whole. Like it's not, this is, if we're talking about the right to die, it really shouldn't ever just be about what the, I mean, obviously it should be about what the person wants in question, but like as a more developed, you know, movement, like it's also about like what, um, you know, giving everybody else access to being able to help somebody and the, and the, and the conversations around that and the, the, um, 
making them equipped to argue for it um, and to be able to articulate it and then to be able to carry it out and to remove all those senses of guilt because it's not murder. You know, and we do it all the time. I mean, this is, this, it happens in hospice all the fucking time. You know, people are, 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 are half gracefully exited, oftentimes by a family member, by the way, because the nurses are not allowed to administer some of those medications. And so it's kind of up to the family member anyway to administer the, um, the massive doses of morphine and Haldol or whatever, whatever else. Um, so I, 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 we're kind of there anyway. You know, I guess is the point I'm trying to make, but everything is so hush-hush and everything is so, um, everything is so, every, there's an unbelievable amount of denial about what's already taking place. We just got to set people into what's the reality of what's happening now, find some way of normalizing it and destigmatizing it. Um, and, and just feel like, you know, it, it can evolve from that point. Because I, I just don't think that, I think there's, there's, there's plenty of people who are not blind to the need for there to be no legal repercussions towards helping somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's to be put on a, in a situation where you're, you're afraid of your legal, you know, situation and, and being, you know, put in jail and all these legal repercussions to help the person you love. And so you're sitting there watching them suffer knowing you can't do anything at all is 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 a crime of itself right <laughs> the law itself is committing a crime by not allowing this you know us to have this open free expression of of what we want and what we should receive and yeah. um like the, the, so the question is just like if we're so close if those dots are so close connected and people are actually doing this regardless of their worldview, you know, whether they believe in God or not, or that, you know, all these other things that they could cling on to that makes them pro-life or not. They, it's almost irrelevant when that time comes for them in their own life, when their husband or wife or whoever is dying, they, they, they just buy, they put it on hold. <laughs> they put their little belief on hold to take care of that person. So they even believe it. You know what I mean? Even the pro-lifers might believe it if they ex had to experience it themselves. And that's the sad part is like, why do people have to experience pain themselves in order to be like, oh, I get it now. You know, <laughs> now I know what it's like to have stage four cancer shit. If I knew it was like this all along, I would have advocated more for the, you know, unlimited supply of, uh, you know, uh, methane, meth, meth, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, the, you know, the pain relieving drug. Sorry, I forget the name. It's not meth, the drug. Though. Yeah, no, I meant um, <laughs> no. Uh, oh, morphine. What, morphine. Thank you, morphine. <laughs> so, methadone. Okay, it's not that either. <laughs> no. We Molly for all. Well, you never. The thing is, is, someone's probably tried to do that to try to escape life, you know, and it probably happened in an insanely horrible way, right? Like, and and they didn't die, but. If we're already so there, I guess the big question too is like, why can't, why are the, why are the, the votes not coming? How come no one's standing on the front porch of the fucking, you know, their local courthouse with signs and saying this is a tragedy and, and this needs to change now, you know, like it seems to be once it comes to the voting part, everyone just kind of disappears. That's well, a great, I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, you go ahead, Jimmy. I mean, yeah, it's like not even the left of the left you know it's like you cover you go to like a human rights page you go to the progressive democrats page for example they have everything covered except for the right to die so they're not even caring about this issue and how everything is carried out like for example final exit, exit network they can be there when you die but they can't touch you or assist you in any way the same goes for switzerland you have to do it you know drink the stuff yourself and and also there's cases like terry shavo where oh if they you know stuck a needle in her arm and just been done with it that's murder but oh but no we can't do that we have to you know starve her to death for 10 days like i mean it's just totally ridiculous sorry amanda 
No, no, no. It's okay. I, I, this is more of a question that I was actually thinking of just the other day. Is like, so we're we're going backwards as a civilization in oh so many ways. I mean, and, and and so, you know, with that in mind, does it surprise me that it's not on the lips of any politician anywhere? I mean, it disappoints me, but it doesn't surprise me. That having been said, considering how far back backwards we're going with things, how safe are our uh, um, hospice uh, accommodations at this point? Like, is that something? Because I honestly don't know. I mean, do pro-lifers get their undies in a bind about hospice too? I don't, I, I don't, I'm not aware very much about what the pushback to that is. I mean, I would think that there isn't because I would think that they would be at least that, you know, um, accommodating towards the agony of, of, of death. But I worry about it. I mean, I worry that that is that we're going to go backwards on what we do have. I mean, hospice is not the right to die. I'm not trying to lump them into the same thing, but it's the closest thing that we have. And I'm and, and I'm grateful for it, just in the sense that without it, we're really screwed. I mean, you know, if, if, if it's if it's the difference between hospice and nothing, I'll take hospice any day. Um, but I worry that like. Um, it's just another piece of medical intervention that pro-lifers will try to roll back. Um, and uh, that's, I might be incredibly wrong about that. I mean, but um, I mean, the one thing about a lot of politicians is that they're old, so they may value hospice a lot, um, you know, secretly, a lot, very strongly. But, um, you know, if that happens, then there's, you know, there's, there's very little hope. Of, of things moving forward for a very, very long time. I've actually never heard of anybody speak against hospice. Um, either they don't know how it works or they, you know, they just accept it. So it seems like hospice is pretty safe. At well, least knows how what's going to happen five years down the road. Uh, it might be safe only in the, not the way that we want it to be safe, but it, who cares as long as it's safe. And, but it, I think it could be safe in the sense that pro-lifers will always see hospice as a pro-life activity. You're, you're trying to keep these people at life, alive because life is so precious and you just have this gift, you know what I mean? But ironically, there's contradictions there, obviously, because what if it's God's will for them to go you know <laughs> they're intervening on god's will anyway that's a different subject of itself but um no you're it right does so i mean because if you if you know if there was some exposure of how slow the nurses walk you know as as we as the term we, we learned recently you know if there was some exposure and right to die activists were doing that exposure of like how much semi right to die is actually going on in hospice you know that could that could go both ways as far as what um, pro-lifers then perceive it as. It could work, you know, that could be uh, the tipping point. So it's, it's all very, it's all very, um, all very delicate, isn't it? No, yeah. that, you're right. That's such a great selling feature is to be like, we're already doing this right now. We're already doing it. All the nurses are doing it. It's, yeah. just, it's just not this like, it's not this like really overt, we're going to kill you now kind of thing. You know what right. I mean? It's this, it's under the umbrella of prevention. You know what I mean? Like the, and the problem is they go, will they go, oh, you're right. Or will they go, oh my God, you're right. We got to stop this. Like, you know, it, it just, <laughs> yeah. you, know. Like, you know, I remember when Brittany Maynard um, got the right to die, you know, uh, all the pro-lifers were like, you know, there's hospice care, you know, send her the, to hospice. So they were, they were using anti-right to die rhetoric and promoting hospice as the alternative. Yeah. And I don't know if that'll ever change, you know, as long as the people are still have this life is precious thing. I, maybe not though maybe there is some th like thing in there maybe we do have some golden ticket we're unaware of that can combine the two and make people just be like yeah why why am i not why am i advocating for the hospice but not right to die they're both 
almost equivalent, you know, and uh, maybe that could change people's minds, but it's getting people to the voting booth, you know, that kind of really is the part that's going to be hard. It's barely to get them to vote for a president, you know, much less a topic like this. And a lot of people probably think that in America, like in like Washington and, you know, California, they probably think that the death with dignity is the right to die, like, like we're saying it should be, which is totally false. You got to be over 18, have less than six months to live, and doctors can deny you. And in California, well, actually, after the it's determined that you have less than six months to live you have to have a 15-day waiting period okay and in california one out of three people die during that 15 waiting 15 day waiting period one third that's a lot of people and yeah it's uh, oh yeah i mean it's crazy it, 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 and, and a lot of these right to die death dignity things are not right to die at all they're not i mean let's face it they're nothing they're they're just appeasing and pandering to the communities of like we covered this problem so don't worry we got your back guys you know i was i was even just doing a research just to double check my stats but i thought it was 200 people per year take take the deck with dignity but it's not it was it's 292 people over the past nine years that have taken the death of dignity you know what? No, total. Nationwide? Well, sorry, I was looking I was looking at Washington and Oregon. Oh. So other states like Vermont and stuff, I'm not quite sure. But that number is way lower than I thought. And you know, compare that number to eight billion, right? Like it's like zero point zero 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 one percent of the population. So there's a there is a long way to go. And I hope we can make these arguments about that. A healthy 30-year-old should have the same decision power-making as the 95-year-old with cancer. Exactly. One more thing about uh, the Death with Dignity Act is that nobody can help you. You have to be strong enough to crush up the pills, mix them, and drink it really quick. So if you have something like ALS where you're disabled, you know, you are fucked. So this might uh, uh, make people want to go sooner then they have to like, you know, let's say you have ALS. It's like, well, I'd like to live another month or two, but in six weeks, I might not be able to uh, uh, ingest the medication. So I'm yeah, going to have yeah. to do it now before it's too late. So it puts pressure when people mm -hmm. want to die. But yes, it should be for everybody. We want to put the right to die in the hands of the people, no matter what their condition is. And I think it's really insulting to declare that you, I mean, you have to be mentally ill or crazy to not want to live. And even these advanced directives are, are doctor controlled, you know, so they, they have an incentive to make more money and there's a whole thing with that, right? They're, the corruption there could be long and deep, <laughs> but there should be at least an amendment to the advanced directive that just says, hey, this person I trust it's just like you put someone on your last will and testament, you know, this person I trust, it's, it's, uh, you know, stamped, uh, whatever you call this stamping of official stamping, but, um, you know, notarized, it's a notarized amendment to the advanced directive that says I trust this person to make decisions for me. So when I'm incapable of moving and I, in my deep advanced stages of ALS, they're going to make the decision for me. Not some strange doctor that has weird beliefs that goes to church on Sunday or whatever, you know, that should be the least thing that we, that should happen in the world. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's crazy how people think about this issue, but I mean, if you're 20, if you're 18, it's like you can buy a machine gun, for example, and shoot up a school or shoot up some other place you know we had two mass shootings but if you're 18 and you want a peaceful exit you know you can't get it you can't get it you can't impose your will on yourself but you can Im impose harm on others yeah it's just so, it's so screwed up because i was just thinking about when that happened i heard the news of the texas shooting was i was thinking just like 
what if that kid had the right to die or a process let's say he's under 18 whatever he's there's a process when you're under 18 where you can you can apply for this and you you, you might have to have your doctor sign whatever the underage stipulations could be regardless what if that was an option for him and he hated his life so much that he wouldn't have you know a lot of people don't do violent things when they're not backed into a corner you know a dog that's backed into a corner is going to bite and a lot of these people that are depressed and hate life and all these whatever it could be the reasons they might have just taken a just easy out rather than some kind of i'm going to make a big bold statement and and be pissed off about you know getting out and and do whatever it is you know shoot schools up or burn your house down or shoot your grandmother like these if there was you know you it's so hard to like quantify these because you can't because prevention is not uh, a material thing right <laughs> but he could have done that at 16 it would have prevented the shootings you know it, it's funny how the law is set up to where it's easier to to actually murder other people you know you can take a gun go into a theater and shoot a bunch of people in horrific ways but yeah you can't have the peaceful pill and while those shooting victims you know survive and are, are dealing with the trauma and want to die due to that trauma you know, society is going to force them to relive it and relive it over and over again until they end up, you know, making, you know, you know, ending their lives in the most gruesome way possible. Because as long as rational options are taken away from the individual, the individual will choose the irrational ones. So it's like, yeah, the peaceful pill over the bleach, you know. And even talking about prevention, like I was saying, is, is good, is a good thing. You know, people can say, I'm going to just opt out instead of doing some wild thing, like burning myself into a, you know, putting myself on fire and running into a crowd or whatever, right? Like these things happen. The post, the post event care is important too. Like, let's say this guy, let's say a school shooter, uh, for example, just because that's topic of the, you know, it's the news of the day. Like, should he have a right in jail? to opt in for a peaceful exit to die in, while he's a prisoner in jail. Uh, not even him, for example, just people in jail in general, in prison, whether it's death row people or people just serving a year or two, should they have an option too? I think so. Uh, most of them. Um, I thought about this for a long time. Actually, I was, that's a really great question because I think the right to die should apply to everybody and including prisoners and as, you know, some people can make the art will will make the argument that, you know, if somebody, you know, kills somebody else just, just so they can get the right to die. Well, if the right to die was already available, there would be no need to do something like that. Yeah. But for the most part, they should. And it is a point of contingency here because a lot of people might get angry because they want those who victimize them to remain in prison, which I definitely understand, but what is being accomplished? I mean, your taxpayer's money, you're victimized by this person, your taxpayer's money is going to their food. Yes. If they want to die, it's like, what's a, you know, it's uh, it cleans out the prison population. It makes it so where the, the victims of these crimes don't have to pay for their meals. That it's going to make people the victims of, of the families of the victims feel like they didn't get their fair justice because the person opted out early or they just took the easy way out or, you know, they're going to think these kinds of things. And the victims, uh, the victims should be able to have the same option to die. You know, a lot of yeah. people can't handle it. So, you know, um, options for people inside prison, options for people outside of it. Yeah, and just because you committed a bad crime, and I mean, even if it's horrific, or even if it's a basic, well, you know, I stole a pack of bubble gum from a 7-Eleven, <laughs> like, you still have your rights, you should have a right, is all I'm saying, yeah, you should still have that right over my autonomy, my life, it is still your life, you still own it, even if you suck for, <laughs> you know, for doing yeah. shitty things. I mean, and plus, it's, it's also related to the deterministic argument over free will. It's like, you know, 90% uh, of prisoners who had brain scans shown some, like, uh, malformations. So that affects their, you know, um, 
you know, we don't believe in free will. We were determinists. You know, that means that, you know, we, so these people are determinists just like we are. We just happen not to be killers, you know. Yeah, and that should foster some empathy because you're kind of like, you see everyone in a weird way. I do. I see them in a sort of uh, victim. We're all victims, you know. We're all ping pongs flopping around this ping pong game and we don't know where what what is going to be our next hit. And some people are raised in a shitty family or whatever and they never chose that when they were born and or they have a genetic thing of addiction or whatever and nobody chose any of that so like that alone should be yeah for a reason for a peaceful exit i mean it only takes like a little funk in the hippocampus the hippocampus or something to to uh, make you into a killer. I mean, that's how easy the brain damage can be. So yeah, people are brain damaged generally who commit heinous crimes. Physical brain damage. Sorry, I keep turning off my... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really co- it's a complicated issue on some levels. And I, I feel like, um, I mean, I, I have thought about this in the past, but there are certain details where I, I could definitely see my mind changing in various ways through more conversation about it. I wouldn't want to create a circumstance where, and I think you touched on this a little already, Danny, but I'm just, I'm just kind of repeating it. But like, I wouldn't want to create a circumstance where prison is people's ticket to the right to die. So, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, if you commit a crime, you can die, you know, like I, I just, I just, if it's already a human right in the regular world, then I think that people should be able to maintain that right once they're already in prison. That having been said, I could maybe see, depending on the severity of the crime, you having to do some amount. I mean, I sort of feel like if you if the crime is severe enough, then I mean, you kind of do give up some of your rights. I mean, you're you're kind of you know you've you've betrayed society to an extent that um, yeah, we should have empathy for you. And I also I I'm I don't think we should fall into the trap of acquiescing to people's desire to see other people suffer, right? So like the family members of a victim often want to see the worst things possible happen to those people that commit these crimes. I don't think that we should acquiesce to that. Like, I don't think that that's, I don't think that it, I get, I don't fault them for feeling that. I, I would feel that if something really horrific happened to somebody that I love. I, I, I think that's just a human thing that's, you know, it's hard not to fall into that amount of schadenfreude. You know what I mean? Like it's just something that happens. But I, I don't think that it's something that the, the law should, like, uh, uh, make sure of. Like, you know, if, if you're victimized in some sort of way, the law shouldn't make sure that the person responsible um, suffers unduly, you know, especially because it's a deterministic universe and people are the way they are because of all kinds of things, and blah, 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 blah. So I, um, for, for, for people that have uh, committed really heinous crimes, I think that the right to die should always be extended to them, especially if they are already, I mean, if there's any sort of like, um, if there's any kind of chance that the, that the death penalty is at all in play, like that's a possibility. Um, I wonder sort of what happens to the death penalty in a right to die world. You know what I mean? Because if it's, if it's a human right, then somebody could always sort of choose that even before they're handed down that as a, a sentence, you know, so to speak. So I, I don't know. I have to th- I'd have to think about that a little bit more. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would, like I said, I, I just would be careful about like, oh, you, you're, you're in prison because you smoked a joint. You want to die? <laughs> like, I, just, I just don't think that that's like the first thing we should be offering people for petty crimes. I mean, um, I'm not, 
I'm not anti-prison necessarily, uh, but I also I'm anti-current our current prison system. Let's put it that way. Um, and it's it's just it's hard to it's hard for me as a person that hasn't done a ton of research on prison reform to know if we could reform our prisons enough to where um, rehabilitation is even a viable thing at all. I don't think it is for certain people and for certain crimes. And in those situations, uh, I do think that the right to die should, should always be extended to those people because they really shouldn't be put back out into society. You know? Yeah. What about... Rapists, oh. monster individuals. I mean, they, they have lost their right to walk among us as far as I'm concerned. Um, so they should be allowed to exit. But... Well, I also wouldn't, you know, maybe they have to wait a couple months. You know, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't think that that would be the worst payback, even if, you know, the right to die is seen as a human right, if they've well, betrayed to that extent. What about, what about people who are nonviolent and are in prison and, you know, they're going, you know, they might be shanked or something by violent prisoners. It's like, yeah, why not have the right to die before you, you get murdered in prison? Sorry, Kevin, you was going to say something. Uh, no, yeah, I was just kind of just thinking, what if someone uses the right to die? Let's say, let's say it's in effect. You, everyone has the right to die in the free world, but in prison, you also uh, you also have the you also have your right i guess all i'm saying is what if people do commit crimes knowing they can always just utilize the right to die at any time that makes their crimes be more heinous maybe because they're like screw it i can just die after this and i don't care you know what i mean and if there's an idea that there's no punishment or consequences to the crimes that you're going to commit then it could make the crime stats go up, you know, because people might have this, like, I have nothing to lose sort of thing. I can always just opt in for the right to die after this crime that I commit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. Uh, that is a tough one. Um, <clears throat> that's definitely something to think about. I mean, these people definitely should have to stand, stay in trial before they get it, by the way. Um, yeah. yeah, we don't want to create an environment where people were like, okay, I can just do this and just have a way out. But then, but then again, if the right to die is already available to them outside of prison, what would, uh, you know, what would they gain? Yeah. And it would go back. So it would go back to what I was saying earlier, maybe too, is they wouldn't bother doing the crime they would just be like i'll just get out of here and forget this whole crime drama so there's yeah. that side of it too but then, yeah it's like I'm, I'm, oh, sorry. Sorry. it's like yeah and plus uh, i mean i don't know if it would it would be an anti-deterrent because if somebody's a killer they're probably going to do it anyway yeah but what if someone it's what if it's a right and then someone wants to commit a crime, but they know that in prison, you could use taking away your, that right to die as, as a tool for deterrence of crimes. So if they think, if I go to jail for this crime, automatically just being in jail, your ability for a right to die is gone. That's a, that might be a good deterrent, maybe, too. Yeah, yeah, that, that's an excellent freaking point. Excellent point. Because, yeah, you don't. What's that? I like that. You, you, you know, you have the ability to, to lose it. You can lose yeah. your right to die if you commit certain heinous enough crimes. Yeah, it's like, it's like you do too many speeding. You get too many speeding tickets to take your license away, you know. That's a brilliant argument, man. I, I really. Thanks. Maybe, yeah, treat, treat, treat the right to die as a privilege, not a right. Like people talk about your driver's license. You know, it's a privilege that you get and you hold dearly to protect it. And maybe there's some commitments around it that make you kind of be a good citizen 
And if you don't do this or if you don't do that or whatever, you get that right taken away for six months or forever or whatever. I, I could see doing that in really extreme situations. You know, I, I don't know. But I, 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 I just, I do worry about being so quick to offer the right to die as sort of a, a balm for a faulty prison system. Like, like, yeah. like, like you were bringing up, like, if you're, you know, if you're worried about getting shivved in prison, well, you can just exit. Well, it's like, okay. I mean, th that, that, that gets a little bit past the idea of, I mean, yeah, it should be, they should have the right to die as a right, but they also shouldn't have to be in a dangerous situation because maybe they committed a petty crime and are stuck with a bunch of like really hardened criminals. Like, yeah. um, so that gets that that gets a little tricky for me, where I, I just I don't I don't want people to have to choose death over you know getting raped in prison. Yeah, that's oh, just totally unfair. Yeah, I actually think that yeah I'm interested in prison reform too. By the way, I think prisons should be segregated based on like what you did, uh, your personality. Like if you were violent, you shouldn't be anywhere near somebody who's who's you know not into the gang lifestyle or something like that it's it's horrible how they treat people they treat everybody the same whether you're a child rapist or somebody who committed insurance fraud and maybe the application to be a to have the right to die in jail is no different than it would be outside of jail maybe it's it's on a case-by-case -case basis so you apply for it. They go, okay, what's happening? And you go, hey, I'm just a, I was a pot smoker on a, on a curb and I got caught for that. But, you know, I'm being raped by serial murderers. <laughs> like, can we either transfer me somewhere safe or give me the right to die? Because this is no life. And I, it's a punishment way beyond what I deserve. Not even the time. People always focus on the time. How long is your duration of time? But it's more about sometimes all the trauma you face in in jail oh exactly but yeah so, you know prison reform is is definitely important um how to go about this you know i don't i don't really think i've heard any discussions about the right to die while behind bars yeah i don't think so either and it's in extreme cases though you know you think about it and you're just like let's just say it's the Jeffrey Dahmer type and they're going to, and they get like they do when they, when they get their, when they get their, uh, whatever it's called, sorry, you know, when, when they get their, what's the word? Ugh. Um, when, they, when they get their, their se sentence, sorry, God. Okay. <laughs> they'll, they'll say you get 80 life sentences, right? They're like, you get 80 life sentences and you know, 400 years of time. So someone that's clearly going to spend the rest of their life in jail. And so what is going to be productive about that? Like zero, you know, uh, other than making the family's egos kind of massaged a little and, and feel like there is justice being served, but man, what a massive bog down on the resources of, a, of the society to have to fund that. And for a life that even maybe they don't even want anymore. Um, I don't know what the solution is, but yeah, it's like this problem of hell argument. I'll oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Danny. Oh, it's like this problem of hell argument. I mean, what's the point of torturing somebody for eternity if they don't get a chance <laughs> to redeem themselves? If they're unredeemable and they're in prison for the rest of their lives and they want to die, it's like, yeah, it, it would be more efficient to deliver that, right? Yeah. I know. I could see maybe possibly there there being some argument of keeping some of those people alive for a period of time if there's something that we can like learn from them. You know, I mean, because I mean, and 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 that's a I mean that's that that's certainly an area that I have no study in. I don't know if 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 that's even something we you know. I mean, obviously I don't. I don't want humans experimented on, but I mean, you know, some of these brains are rare enough 
you know, they do such aberrant behavior um, that it, it might be a benefit to society to keep them around long enough to try to gain some, you know, knowledge of what's making them tick and why they are the way that they are. And, you know, so I, I could see that if there's some sort of public service in that sense, that they may be obligated, you know, to have to do that. Yeah. And then they have the right to die. I just thought of something. Um, you know that, oh, who's that guy who does the America's Most Wanted? His kid was uh, kidnapped and killed. Uh, I don't know. About, though. Yeah, they didn't find out who the killer was until like 30 years later. And he confessed to it, and he was already in prison for doing that stuff for to other people. Uh, he was in prison for thirty years until until he actually spoke up about it. So we gotta make sure all the cold cases, you know, that's true. Point. These people, a lot of these people, a lot of times these people, they know each other and they know they know where the bodies are buried, literally. So yeah. Well, that's another thing that you could have as the carrot on the stick incentive is being like, we're holding your right to die option ransom until you provide us this and that kind of information. And some that might be an incentive for some people to confess. Oh, exactly. I mean, and, and also it could be a lot of people in prison are afraid to uh, rat other people out you know because they might be killed inside prison uh that could give them the bravery to say who did what and uh, you know that's true it they are they are held captive by the repercussions of their um their notifying police of information because once you're a rat in jail you're just kind of aren't you on the bottom of the you know totem pole for in there I mean, you're pretty much just a cockroach at that point, right? <laughs> but if someone's like, hey, I got, like, that's an option that I don't have to worry about. And so I can I can admit that Johnson and D3 is, you know, he's the guy that yeah. killed XYZ. You know, I don't, I don't know, man. It gets so muddy and so crazy. But here's a kind of bigger picture, oh. though, is the problem is life is the problem. And the problem is that there's parasites everywhere. There's exploitation everywhere. And we're all, there's never going to be some perfect utopia solution. I mean, granted, it couldn't be a definitely better solution than what's currently happening. That's for damn sure. But, you know, it's, 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 it's good to keep in mind though, too, that just human life, we're programmed by DNA to just be these apex predators that are going to capitalize and exploit and be parasites on anybody else we can in order to get above you know we'll we'll step on anybody's head we need to to get above and and those tactics you know they're clever in jail some of the some of the things they do are really clever and smart for gaining what they need to gain and getting what they need to get and getting on the hierarchy social hierarchy and and all that stuff too so you know it's not going to be some big problem solver to everything but damn it it would it could be a big step in the right direction they can mitigate a lot of bullshit that's for sure yeah i agree oh, yeah that's yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic for sure but uh, we also have the problem of uh society too <laughs> we're all prisoners in our own bodies in in freedom <laughs> or quote unquote so Maybe yeah, like nature is our oppressor, you know, we're, so we're kind of, you know, the, the planet, the planet is kind of, yeah, it is a prison, you know, where we are prisoners of our own DNA, prisoners of, you know, our conditioning, and, and we're not really free. Yeah, we're not really free. Yeah. And just having an option out is the way to get that freedom and some freedom and to alleviate the stress and anxiety of being like, okay, is this the day that the uh, drunken bus driver hits me? Could be, I don't know, but I don't want to play the game of continuing to put myself at risk for that. Some people have just straight up logic, like rational reasons for wanting to get out. They're not even really suffering that much. They're just like, 
I even heard a story recently too. I forgot who it was, but it was like a baseball announcer. He was like 55, had a great life. And he wrote a, on his letter, his, on his suicide note, is, I had a wonderful life. I am grateful. I feel so grateful and everything, but this is it for me. I'm not, I don't want to go down that road of hospice or, or I don't want to go down that road of ALS and all these other things. And, it. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, that should, that should be respected. Absolutely. I mean, we know what's ahead of us. We know, we don't know how we're going to, going to be destroyed by nature, but we're going to be destroyed. And there's, it's totally logical to want to take the highway to where you, you want to get to, as opposed to being a passenger, being forced to take the back roads, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Try to produce an analogy and yeah, why take the back roads when you can take the highway? Yeah, no, it's true. And, and, and people always declare something's wrong with somebody for wanting to get out early, you know, but what, what is, what is so, so wrong with stepping off the train tracks and not playing on them? <laughs> well, these people have a really hard time of actually producing a sound argument to back up their claim that something's wrong with you if you don't want to experience anything anymore. Something is wrong with you if you want to die at 20, peacefully at 20 instead of violently at 80. I mean, our parents brought us into this world. So why should we be, you know, forced to sit at the table until we learn to like it? <laughs> yeah. So eat your broccoli, live. Learn, you know, if you don't like it, sit there until you eat it all and learn to like it. <laughs> and that's what life is that's what society is doing they just love life if you don't like it something's wrong with you sit down and shut up and keep on eating your meal like that's the treatment this condescending arrogant you know what i mean parental yeah. parental like uh infant in, infantilizing you know it's like fuck you <laughs> exactly it's like uh, you know all of a sudden more kids again more little more little babies you know we have to be controlled you know just like our mothers you know had to tell us what to do now society tells us how to live yeah it's like never ending and then you have doctors telling you how to you know when to poo when you're older it's like something in your life it seems it can't and that, you know not always but yeah most of your life there's something or somebody always telling you what to do and hanging over your head or, or some people are just like stuck with their living situation that alone can just suck you know i'm stuck living with some you know jerkhead stepdad or something i hate me but i'm whatever it is you know i don't know and like it's rough it's rough to have to like deal with that shit yes yeah, like for 18 years we are owned by our parents we have to listen to them and do everything they say and then when we're adults you know we can't say well i don't like the situation our parents put us in in the first place. I don't like the imposition that was imposed. I want out. So they say, no, you're wrong. So the, the you know, society is, is basically keeping you a slave to your parents' decisions. So in a weird way, you're still owned by your parents if you don't have the right to die. If that makes sense, I'm trying to, you know, make, you know, yeah. articulate. You're even owned by the guilt of leaving, right? Like the guilt yeah. of, of wanting to die. Like big confession here. I've thought about dying. <laughs> but oh, when, me I th <laughs> when I think about it, I'm thinking, man, I'm really going to hurt my mom. You know, she, she, she's going to be really hurt. And, and it's sad. And, you know, we have a positive relationship for the most part. And that's great. But in a weird way, I'm captive still to this parenting thing and, and, I should be free of that. You know, you think you would be able to be free of that, especially as a, you know, 40 plus year old. Um, but no, yeah, I'm still kind of a victim to that in the sense that if when I go, I'm just kind of going to hurt my mom. I'm going to, you know, the parent, the family dynamic is so powerful. And these feelings of obligations that you have with them, when you never chose who they are ever, where you were born, you were thrown into that family and you never, you know, it's crazy that you're never kind of set free. It's really rare that you see someone kind of really break free from that because it's a real psychological stronghold to 
get to overcome yeah the family union and everything like that it's like you know uh one way to think about it is you know uh, okay if i live long enough i'm going to mourn my parents losses i'm going you know i'm going to cry over my parents dying or you know what if i get mangled or something two years from now and my parents have to identify my body you know that's not going to be any fun so we're all screwed <laughs> and we're, you know it's like it's it's a it's a it's a situation where we cannot win. We can't. We can't win this game. It's. It, there's no. What was that saying? There's no good way to play a bad game or. Bad. Yeah. Something like that. Man, to have. Yeah. Sorry, I had to get into the sun. The sun a little bit. It was just it was so cold where I was sitting. Um, so. <laughs> Probably pretty loud where I am, though. I'm sorry, guys. No, um, it's okay. No, I just yeah, we're 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 owned by the people that think we own us, but we're also just we're so owned by people's discomfort. I mean, one of the reasons we don't have access to this this thing that we that we want is because people don't want to assess the way they feel about their own lives. I mean, everything, our, the way that people live is completely set up so that people don't ever face. Um, what their actual opinions of, 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 of uh, you know, of being alive is. Um, and because other people don't want to face that, somehow we're expected not to face that. We're not expected to want things out of that. We're, not, we're, we're expected to not uh, come to conclusions based on those assessments. Um, and yeah, it's just, I don't know what else to say. It's a very unfortunate situation. Yeah, it's like we have to adhere to their coping mechanisms. They don't want to think about death. They want to think that life is positive. And I understand, you know, life sucks. People are trying to, but to impose that mentality on others to say that you have to, you know, you have to be delusional too, like me and want to live and love life. Well, I'm not saying people want to live or delusional, but you get my point, right? Yeah, it is, and it's and then you social pressure this feeling that if you bring any sort of death topics up, you're this big Debbie Downer, and you know <laughs> you're the you're the party killer, and and uh, sorry, I don't care. You know, getting to the point where I don't care, I I want to talk about it and be like, hey, so this is what's going on here. Just a friendly reminder. <laughs> People love to hear what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear because truth, uh, um, truth can be pretty damn hard to take in. It can break people's psychology. I get that, but it doesn't mean you have the right to, you know, force yourself on other people. A breakup can break your psychology, but I don't mean that I have the right to kidnap, you know, my my ex-wife and bring her back home or something you know yeah i know well it's just ironic you know that toxic optimism shit is you could watch a commercial about some depression medication and it's footage of people being happy walking on a beach but the voiceover is saying yeah you know you could have suicidal ideation you could have stomach ache and nausea and headache and insomnia and all these side effects from the drug you know <laughs> oh yeah they talk <laughs> and the worst the worst the side effects are the most the most pleasant the image is like you know you're going to get explosive bloody diarrhea and you're going to freaking die of a brain hemorrhage and meanwhile you know there's little kids you know dancing in the sunset at the <laughs> beach shift and i think you know i was hearing something about i actually heard a commercial today about some depression drug that says that you know it could lead to suicidal thoughts and behaviors and i was wondering does the medication cause suicidation or does the expectations cause it because a lot of people going in are going in thinking that this pill is going to cure all of my problems and when they realize at best it can only take a little edge off that can make somebody suicidal. That can make somebody want to end it because it's, the medication is not working the way the commercial said it would. 
I don't, I don't know. My personal experience has been that I've tried all kinds of depression medication. Nothing's worked ever, ever once, but I tried an OCD medication. I have a really bad OCD. And, um, I don't know, a year ago or something, I tried an OCD medication and that was the only medication I've ever tried where I genuinely had that suicidal ideation. And I was thinking about it in a creepy way. I felt really uneasy. I didn't feel like I had control of myself. I scared the shit out of me. Oh man. So I quit it, you know, after a couple of weeks, but I don't know. Yeah. I think it could be both though. You know, the chemical reaction, but also a placebo effect of expectations of this can happen. So I'm, <laughs> you build yourself up to it. I don't know. Guys, I, I think very likely that it's a combination of both. Yeah. Experience both. Yeah. Could be. We live in such a uh, dishonest society. It's like you see it in, in the the pharmaceutical commercials. You see it with the whole pro life agenda. Life is great. You know, it's like we're dishonest with ourselves. We're dishonest in society. Well, there's a certain idealization of of innocence, right? Like you know, there's there's certain ways in which you know we're we're harangued to grow up and not be children. But then there are other ways in which, like, you know, frankly, people want people to stay innocent little kids forever. And uh, that is a big one as far as, you know, people want people want to have uh, people. It's, it's expected that people sort of have uninformed, childlike notions of death um, and planning for, you know, not, you know, for the end of your life and, and things like that. I mean, these are just sort of... Um, People never really grow up. And I wonder if there's a certain amount of shame <laughs> that we can sort of it, it, impose on people. Um, I, I mean, I'm joking, honestly, but I mean, it, it, you know, there's a certain amount of, um, there is a certain amount of, uh, of, of, of inno the innocence that people insist on around some of these topics is so indulgent, you know, and it causes so much fucking harm that people insist on, 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 you know, staying in these little fantasy worlds about um, not only what life on this planet is, but uh, the need to exit and all, all of this stuff. Um, that, I mean, I think it can be pointed out just how, you know, just how stupid it is, how absurd it is, how indulgent it is, how, 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 um, how childish, you know? Um, uh, some of that could be could be rendered into a very useful tool for us. I think. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we really hope that this podcast and our work inspires people to change their minds on this issue. We've got an uphill battle, but you know, we will continue to make our arguments and make our case before the world and. I guess that's all I got to say. Great. Well, I think we had a great conversation about these awesome topics for sure. Um, thanks guys so much for coming. Thanks for listening or watching. Um, um, you can also uh, check our other, other sites out, social media. And um, I'm not good at this part, whatever. Um, yeah, go to our website. And um, if you have an interest in being a guest on our show, you know, reach out to us. There's a section on our website where you can share your stories. And um, if you don't want to be on video or even audio, you, you can share your stories with text and be a part of a blog. If you want to be a, a blog post, there's also a section there. Um, or if you want to just email us um, at info at the right to no longer exist.com. Um, and just tell us your story. And if you want us, us to even read it um, on a show, that's good too. We, we want to have like uh, people feeling really engaged um, about getting involved and voicing their opinions about their stories and experiences on this type of tyranny, right? Or prohibition. I mean, it's really what it is. So the more voices that are out there against it, pushing back, I think is, is better for uh, this this movement so please check out our website we'll have that up in about a week so if you if you if it's not there now it'll give it a couple of days we'll be a little habit um, but 
yeah thanks so much guys for uh this com combo appreciate it yeah it's a, um really got, glad we got to make a podcast i know it's been a while we have been working really hard on building our website which is why we haven't been focusing on podcasts but we're really looking forward to making many many more and spreading the word so let's all get involved and together we can make it a change <laughs> yes thanks. Not, I'm not trying to make a political stump speech but <laughs> together <laughs> that's what it sounded like it was like kind of Joe funny Biden or some politician <laughs> uh, that had a funny kind of feel to it yeah but hey whatever it works anyway thanks guys appreciate it take care hope you're well and um we'll talk to you next time Bye. thanks so much everybody it's been a pleasure as always absolutely bye until next bye. you have been listening to the right to no longer exist a right to die podcast we hope that you have enjoyed your time and found the information valuable Please visit us at therighttonolongerexist.com to learn more about our organization and mission statement. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at The Right to No Longer Exist. There you will find links to our individual channels as well. If you would like to contact us directly, please email info at therighttonolongerexist.com. Thank you for your time, and let's remember that during the time that it took to listen to this podcast, Dozens, if not hundreds of people endured a horrific death by suicide. Let's fight together for a world where this doesn't happen anymore. See you next time on the Right to No Longer Exist podcast.